where we come from and our aspirations. Anglo 
Phone Africa, Franco Phone Africa, Luzo Phone, uh, you know, Africa, Europe just divided, uh, you know, Africa into its own. And each and every colonial, uh, you know, power set out its own, uh, uh, you know, processes of uh, controlling our minds, controlling our uh, resources, controlling our continent, practically controlling, uh, you know, our, our life, what we can call the coloniality of being, that we have kind of thoroughly you know that. But before 1963, African you know, leaders, the Kwame Nkrumahs, the Soko Tourists, the, yeah, the, 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 the Nyerere's, the America Cabral's, decided to organize uh, yeah, their people and their own countries in order to break down the shackles of uh, yeah, you know, European uh, colonialism, regain our land, regain our own institutions, and in order that uh, we are in a position to forge our own uh, lives according to our own understanding, our own dictates, our own history, our own culture, and our own uh, uh, religion. That was a very great uh, uh, strategy. And it was so powerful that when Kwame Nkrumah looked at South Africa, that was still under colonialism, he declared that uh, Africa cannot be... uh, liberated until the last continent, the, the last country in Africa, you know, is uh, you know, liberated. So a total liberation of, of Africa is what preceded uh, the formation of the Organization of African uh, uh, Unity in 
Organization of the African Unity, OAU, established on the 25th May 1963, was a culmination of a number of diverse and far-reaching historical currents and political trends on the African continent and abroad. Pitigantuli looks at the trajectory of the African continent more than five decades after its inception. At uh, a long discussion uh, with my old friend uh, Gukiwatiyo that we should start uh, now thinking about not just only the decolonization of the mind, because the mind is just one aspect. Uh, uh, we have got to decolonize our spirit. In our discussions, the issue of the African Renaissance features, the program of which is the question of uh, redressing the imbalances of the past, remembering the dismembered Africa in order to bring about uh, unity, to refocus ourselves uh, to programs that are going to develop uh, uh, our minds and all our institutions in their uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, you know, entirety, to restructure our forms of uh, uh, you know, governance and our forms of uh, 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 you know, parliament. Our parliaments are parliaments that are Western-style, Westminster, uh, 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 you know, type. When we start insulting, uh, insulting each other about anything, uh, we blame ourselves, and yet uh, uh, we blame the Western world uh, and not. In South Africa, for instance, our ruling party, the African National Congress, is in Parliament. It controls Parliament. But when they leave Parliament, they go to what you call the Lehutla, which is an African Council. A concept of Likutla, you are not there to debate, to argue. You are there to debate, to argue with the clear purpose of reaching a consensus. Not to win over, uh, in a sense, somebody else. Which is a tragedy that Africa, in a sense, uh, you know, we, we, we find ourselves in. Let's look at it this way. Part of what we feel about uh, the African Renaissance and decolonization is going to include uh, uh, restructuring or reinventing, let me put it that way, uh, African educational uh, institutions. Agenda that is foreign uh, to us using 
history books that are loaded against us. I'll give you an example. You look at what happened in Wazulu uh, Natal in 1879 in the Anglo-Zulu uh, 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 War, where colonial you know, forces were brutally uh, you know, killed by the Zulu armies of uh, King Kejuayo. You go up and you read a book about it. There's my woman one and two on this side. There's Godit and Tuli this side. There's a, a, a King Wayo. These are the generals. When you go over to uh, you know, the index and to the notes, we are going to find only uh, six references uh, to these uh, you know, people. And yet, Lord Chelmsford or Danforth or Pearson, the people that were uh, 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 you know, defeated, are going to have 15 to 30 references made actually to them. Then you begin to realize that the agenda here is not the agenda of truth, but the agenda of lies. And, and the perpetuation of those lies and those books that we actually uh, use continue even institutions of higher learning continue to unlearn us in our own countries, in our own institutions that we pay for from a taxpayer's money. It's going to take quite a, 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 a lot of courage, a lot of uh, a, 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 a this. I always, unapologetically, uh, call for a cultural revolution in uh, Africa. Without a cultural revolution, we are not going to regain our own uh, uh, you know, you know, dignity. Our form of a revolution is that uh, how do we commemorate uh, our history? How do we commemorate our, our own heroes? We have got to feel uh, with Africa with monuments, with huge uh, you know, statues. That uh, whenever a child goes up and looks and says, who is that? In Africa, yeah, we said, that was Sankara. Then the child will ask, uh, is Sankara a Zulu? Then we must say, no, no, Sankara was not. Uh, he was this and uh, this. Then we educate our children beyond with ourselves. Our musicians have got to sing songs that affirm Africa, that develop uh, 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 Africa. Our painters must paint our narratives in the colors, uh, in the colors and the symbols that reflect us. Our education systems, you know, must be. Our own indigenous, uh, you know, religions have got to be given. Our, yeah, our traditional leadership, uh, you know, institutions have got to be, uh, you know, revamped in order to do it. It's a total, uh, we have to wait a total onslaught against a total, uh, you know, enemy of our continuous neo-colonization.
And in many instances, this was instead history, characterized by many negatives. And some of them were many and persistent violent conflicts, denial of democratic and human rights, sustained poverty, and all-round development, social exclusion on the basis of gender and other divides, continuing loss of dignity and seemingly entrenched global marginalization of Africa, including the matter about digital divide. Thus it was that, having endured this experience for many decades, the African people made the determination that this had to end. And they shared the aspiration towards the best of a new Africa, towards an African renaissance. trajectory of this rebirth, it can totally fuse differently. The, the African Union is not even on a, a, a clear a trajectory. There is a, an Africa where what, 2063 agenda, right? So as to celebrate from 1963 to 1963 all of the centuries. You read the African Union agenda uh, 2063. In it, there is not even a chapter. Uh, a chapter on culture is a very mega one, and yet identity uh, resides in the, in the field of uh, uh, you know culture. At least tribute to Kosazana uh, uh, Zuma when she was uh, the, the you know the, uh, the the president did at least ask us to get in there to write something when we pointed to her that there was something absolutely missing in this 20, uh, uh, you know, you know, 63. As to how they are going to do it, it's another. Again, Africa, South Africa also in particular, we have got more money for education, more money for economies, more money for health, was fine. Very little money, in a sense, for the arts. And yet Africa is all the arts. Unity can only be achieved through uh, the arts. Our own identity as a people can only come through arts and culture. That's where we should be starting. One of the most absurd things uh, here, Sydney, is that uh, when we establish bilateral relations with any country, the first thing we talk about is culture and economics. And when we say with culture uh, and economics, then the Western people will come up and open up uh, their cultural institutes, Alliance Francais, the British Council, and all of these things. And many of those things in here study our own cultures so that their intelligence uh, units can spy nicely actually on us, and yet with us we just get it there. We don't need to have economic missions of any uh, thing, and no cultural meaning. You go to an embassy or a high commission, we are going to be listening to Western music, Western poetry, Western, uh, uh, you know, practically everything, because uh, that coloniality still consumes uh, our soul and our, uh, and our spirit as uh, our leaders, uh, you know, consume uh, their sense of self-importance. make a difference. The visual culture of ours is foreign actually to us, made in instruments and materials that do not actually reflect who we are. You still go to our schools, 
where the children are going to learn, Jack and Jill went up the hill and so on. Instead of uh, you know telling our own kind of folk tales to our children, that can inspire much more wisdom than anything you have. So, in other words, what is actually really needed is that African people, the creative people, the writers, the poets, the musicians, all kind of cultural you know, activists have got to, to, to figure. Let me speak, uh, you know, personally about uh, uh, what me and my team are doing. We are using granite, the heaviest material, uh, to make 20 tons uh, of Madivas uh, and various other people that we want to uh, create and to live here, to create parks when our children can move and look at our own struggles. Even the uneducated people must be in a position to read our own uh, uh, history and symbolisms that we put in our uh, in our own art. Let me go back to Kwame uh, 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 Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah wanted to decolonize our economy. He wanted to, to decolonize our security systems like our army with the introduction of an African high command. He was calling for an African currency. He was calling for two African languages that can be spoken by Africans across. If at all we listen to that, we end up with an absurdities of issues uh, you know, like uh, you know, in, in, you know, xenophobia. Because we do not know ourselves, we do not even bother to know ourselves. You get, we as South Africans, you cross the Zambezi, we are saying, oh, you are from Africa. We are subsequently, subconsciously confessing that we are the 53rd state of the United States of America. Trump must be happy where he is. Let us hear how the African Union, through its agency, the Auda Nepad, celebrates Africa Day. We join Kiratiwe Muhotsi, Program Manager at the African Center for Philanthropy and Social Investment at the University of the Vets Vatersrand in South Africa, as he introduces a topic on African arts. To, to heritage and to speak to heritage and technology, we've got three speakers that are coming up. I'll introduce the first one, uh, Nana Ajwa Asante from Ghana. She is the director of the National Folklore Board in the country. She will speak to us about how we are preserving culture and heritage through folklore. So I won't take much of her time. Uh, Nana, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, over to you. We, you have our attention. All right, so good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. As has been said, I'm speaking about how we can pres we preserve our culture and heritage through folklore. A lot of people ask, what is folklore? And most people would think that folklore means folk tales. But folklore actually refers to ways in which we express our culture. And our host did say that one of her lecturers told her that uh, culture is how we behave or the way things are around here. So then it means what's folklore and what's culture? What's the difference? What's the need for two different words? So I like to use an analogy. We have love, and then we have the ways in which we express our love for someone. 
So folklore is the way in which you express your culture. So the way in which you, you demonstrate your culture is folklore. So what we wear, what, how we even speak, what we eat, how we communicate, it's all our folklore. Those are the ways in which we demonstrate the abstract concept of culture. So we can move to the next slide. There are so many economic treasures of folklore, and there has been a UNESCO-backed study which indicated that in 2013, 2,250 billion US dollars was made in revenue and 29.5 million jobs created through the creative and cultural industry. Unfortunately, only 3% of this huge number was created or contributed by Africa and even the Middle East. So it's, it's woefully inadequate and it shows that there is the capacity for more. And that's a business opportunity for us as youth. That's, there's so much opportunity. Unlike other aspects, other parts of the world, we have not plateaued when it comes to our creativity and using our culture to express our creativity and to showcase our innovation. So there's so much. And Africa, I dare say, is the most diverse continent in the world. So there's so much for us to do. And there's so much opportunities that we, as the youth, can grasp and make money out of and sustainably develop our, our continent together. So we come to commercial exploitation of Ghanaian folklore. When these are some of the examples, it's not muted, so I can hear some music in the background. Just a second, Lana. Let's just. Inda, please mute Kelvin. Yes, so there's some, I put, we put some images here for you to understand the need for us to protect what is ours and to promote it. Because even if you do not promote it, somebody will do it for you and it might be exploited. And with what our forefathers and mothers left behind for us, it is only good and it's only fair that we benefit from it as a continent. And when I say as a continent, I also mean as individual countries, as I like to say that, yes, we are similar, but we're also diverse. So I like to refer to us as Africa as a continent, but I also like to say I am a Ghanaian, so that you understand that there is diversity. There is a beauty in the diversity that abounds on our beautiful continent. So you see um, Louis Vuitton, that's the most recent. Um, there was a fashion show, and it was part of their line, that is our beautiful Kente cloth, the Ghanaian beautiful Ghanaian Kente cloth. You can also see the Kente cloth, which has been printed. Now, textile companies in China have been printing this cloth. Then we have the beautiful sandals there. The sandals are the traditional sandals worn by our chiefs. And these sandals are being sold for in excess of $1,500 by um, Valentino Garavani. When in Ghana, it, it costs, you can get some that costs less than, let me put it in dollars so you get the clarity, less than $10. So these are your cultural designs, our intellectual property as a people, which is being showcased to the world, which we are happy about, but we need to benefit 
from it. And then the world famous movie, um, the Black Panther movie, where I think there were symbols from different parts of the continent. But of course, I'm speaking for Ghana. So you see our beautiful Kente, that's T'Challa. That's um, his character in the movie, um, Adorn. So these are all ways in which our culture is being used, but it's being commercially used. And as such, there's the need for us as, as, as Ghanaians and as Africans to benefit from it as a people, because money is being made using our cultural elements, using our folklore. But it's not all grim. So using one other example in Africa is the exploitation, the misrepresentation of our folklore. And these are two examples. So in the movie, the series, Sleepy Hollow, that I'm sure most of you have heard about, the characters used um, were in, there was an incantation referring to Anansi as a god. But Anansi, in our, um, he is a folk character in our local palace. Because of time, I'll just move on. We also have the concept of Hakuna Matata. I'm sure um, those who speak Swahili can tell us what it means. What's in my simple terms, and from watching Lion King, it means no worries. And unfortunately, Disney has copyrighted Hakuna Matata. So in certain circumstances, you need permission for Disney to use a word that is yours. That is for the Swahili-speaking countries, which is quite unfortunate. And I spoke, I met with the copyright, the head of the copyright office in Kenya, and he is doing, they're doing something about it. But we need to protect what is ours and promote what is ours so that the world knows it's ours, so that these things do not even happen before we try to rectify them. There are some success stories. Ethiopia has been able to patent its coffee, and now for every coffee, every coffee bean that makes it to the shores of America, that particularly is used by Starbucks, the poor farmer in Ethiopia benefits. But with the Maasai clause too, they've been able to sign certain agreements with certain fashion brands, and they we don't we haven't they signed a non-disclosure agreement, so we don't know the content of the contract. But what we know is that they've been also able to successfully protect what is there. So now we come to the National Folklore Board, which is on the next slide. Our duty in simple terms, our mandate, is to promote and protect our folklore. So protection to avoid it, the exploitation of our folklore and to avoid our heritage being commercially exploited without us as a, as a people benefiting, and then to promote it and preserve it. You can tell that with protection and promotion comes preservation because you ensure that it is the right way in which it was handed down to us is what is done. And then to go further, you promote it so that people continue to know about it. So our mandate in simple terms is preservation, which you can divide into promotion and protection. Okay, so we go to the next slide. I won't talk much about what we've done. I'm hoping that the slides will be shared so that everyone can see what we've done. So we'll just go through the pictures since there's not much time. But the most important thing that I think is worth mentioning so that all of us realize that it is possible is that we actually have corresponded with the producers of the Black Panther movie and we, we have received 
um, some positive feedback. It's not what we're looking for. We, they have acknowledged that there was the need to acknowledge the use of our campaign in the movie. But we wanted to go further. We think that we can collaborate to have maybe 20, even just 20 Ghanaian youth visit the Marvel Studios for an internship program. We can have collaborations where they help us to also produce movies based on our local folk characters. And this is the kind of collaboration that we are looking to. And, and going further, um, I've been informed, I won't mention the name of the company, but I know that there are very big multinationals that have been contacting youth on our continent to provide stories for their movies. I am a lawyer by profession, so I would also like to advise all of us as young people, when you are given a contract by a multinational, especially when you are the smaller fish, please get a lawyer. I know you say we as lawyers are expensive, but it is better safe than story. What you can do is also get a friend who is at, at least studying law, so you can get the person to go through the contract and make sure that you're not being exploited. But more importantly, that the continent is also not being exploited. So don't share um, information, don't share things that have been passed down from generation to generation hastily, and then you get you won't get, you get a pittance from it because what we have as a continent is very valuable, and we need to see the value in what we have, and we need to position ourselves and brand ourselves to be able to benefit immensely from this. And as you can tell, now there's a trooping to Africa for ideas, because as I said, the rest of the world has almost plateaued. Now we have the potential, we have the ideas, we have the new, fresh, um, unexplored territories that um, also provide business interests. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be an African. I know we have so many challenges which previous speakers have echoed, but it's also a wonderful time to be a youth and to be an African, because the future is exciting. So let's run through the next slides, just pictures of what we've done. So we have uh, four Two minutes, Nana. Yeah, so let's just run through the pictures. We have animation of our folk tales. We have folklore classes in COVID-19. In the COVID-19 era, what we did was we, if life gives you lemonade, lemons, you make lemonade. So we moved the folklore classes in our schools to virtual folklore classes. We also have Proverbs Sunday. So kindly, let's just move through the pictures. Yes, yeah, so we have the World Folklore Day. We have Did You Know series and then animation of folk tales. So these are ways in which we turn our folk tales into cartoons and people learn about our folklore. We also have the Did You Know series, which is snippets of information about interesting parts of our culture. Then we have also partnered with MTN to digitize our folklore. So this year, that's an exciting project that we seek to do that is going to help us to further preserve our cultural heritage. Kindly, let's move to the last but one slide so I can conclude. So that's the Digino series and the MTN partnership. We have some key projects for 2021, but I would like to end by saying that the folkloric future is exciting. I think the theme for this year is for good reason. I think in everything you do, as I, I like to call it being a folkpreneur, in everything you do as a young person, be an ambassador of your culture. Showcase your heritage. 
even if it's your company logo, why not use something um, um, peculiar to your culture? When somebody looks at your logo, they will ask you, what does it mean? And it gives you an opportunity to educate someone about your culture. And that's even part of the preservation. There are economic treasures and business opportunities in becoming a folkpreneur. That's a term I've coined myself, a folklore entrepreneur. And then I think that um, our the sponsors and the, um, pro the partner organizations can look at dedicating some funding to culture-centered projects for this year particularly. As I said, the challenges are many. I won't echo that, but I want to talk about the opportunities that we have as a young people. And as I said, when life gives us lemons, which we have so many challenges, let's make lemonade. And a mentor of mine added, let's also learn to use the zest and use the seeds of the lemons. So I'll conclude by saying, as is on the poster that was used, that Africa Day is a reminder of the diversity, yet similarities we share as the continent, and how to collectively harness our wealth to sustainably develop as a continent. And there we have it, listener. The unity of purpose of individual Africans will propel a positive trajectory for the growth of the continent. Indeed, Africa needs a political will that will drive the development of a lot of economies in the continent. We thank the African Union's agency, NEPAD, for availing the 2021 Africa Day celebration material used in the production of our program this week. Be there next week as we bring you more of these programs. From me, Sydney Katungapiri, I say goodbye.